Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven Podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be covering Psalm 63. My name is Colton Jones, and I am joined here by Arthur Richardson. All right, and... uh, the title of this psalm, at least in my Bible, it says Ardent Longing for God. And it is my favorite psalm. Uh, we we covered Arthur's favorite psalm, which I believe uh, was Psalm 23. Yep. Psalm and 23. you also like Psalm 46, which we also covered, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here we go. God, you are my God. It is you I seek. For you, my body yearns. For you, my soul thirsts. In a land parched, lifeless, and without water. I look to you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory, for your love is better than life. My lips shall ever praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands, calling on your name. My soul shall be sated as with choice food. With joyous lips, my mouth shall praise you. I think of you upon my bed. I remember you through the watches of the night. You indeed are my savior, and in the shadow of your wings I shout for joy. My soul clings fast to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life will come to ruin. They shall go down to the depths of the netherworld. Those who would hand over my life to the sword shall become the prey of the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by the Lord shall exalt. But the mouths of liars will be shut. Any first impressions there? Dude, I had a lot of them, actually. Right off the bat. For you, my body yearns. Um, Mm -hmm. Something that has been kind of coming up. Not like in a major way, but I've been doing a lot of reflecting on. um, I think partly because of other people's questions. um, Partly because of just my own melancholic, deep thinking. Uh, but there's been this like interesting concept that uh, the mind is above the body, that the soul is above the body. And I heard it a couple of times um, in my just own personal reflections and research, uh, especially intellectuals wanting, like kind of almost regretting that they're, that they're human and not angels. That like, I know it's super weird, but Bishop Aaron had to like cover this. I was about to say, are we listening to the same podcast? Yeah. I feel like it's coming through here, but yeah. 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 Well, I actually, I was looking at this through YouTube, but yeah. And I was just like very intrigued by that. Um, And his response was, was not the one I would have given, but you know, that's okay. Um, He's a different person, you know, like, right. By different person, I mean like different than me, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not like. Oh, he's different. He, that's not oh, what I meant. That's not what I meant at all. Uh, <laughs> um, no, my response would be the angels are envious of us. They're, they're jealous in a way. So as not to sin, hopefully. No, no. I mean, not... like the, the evil ones would be envious. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the good ones would be that like good jealous. Right. Um, like the. The good jealousy, like the the type of jealousy of like craving in a non-bad way. So what I'm getting at is that we as Christians can, we as Catholics and as humans 
like by the fact that we are human mm-hmm. and the fact that Jesus became incarnate. So he was spirit who became incarnate, meaning took on flesh. Like one, our dignity has been raised. Mm-hmm. So every human person, because of the dignity that Jesus brought, no matter what they look like or how they act, there's a new, a new dignity there for those of us who can receive within our bodies, whether it be word So like either hearing or on our tongues, Jesus Christ through the Eucharist, we like through his body, we are one receiving God, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of different thoughts on this, obviously, within Catholic culture, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Some people would think that this is like intellectually angels are still above us. I would say that because we take in the triune God into our very bodies, we are above the angels because God is above the angels and we have God. I would say, yeah, we have the capability of actually attaining a closer proximity to God than angels do. There, like, um, I think it was it was Thomas Aquinas or one of the uh, a theologian in the past who thought a lot on angels, the choirs of angels, and their proximity mm-hmm. towards God. The seraphim being the closest, right. so to speak, if you could think of uh, the analogy of being closer in proximity yep. to God. That there are some saints who are closer to God, into the heart of God, than the seraphim. uh, Because the grace that we have through Jesus Christ being redeemed and also being capable of having a relationship and growing in holiness through that relationship. We can attain uh, a greater knowledge, maybe even knowledge. I mean, definitely given an eternity, I think knowledge is limitless. But um, we can attain greater closeness to god than mm-hmm. even the angels which of course good angels those who are in heaven with god don't experience or at least aren't subject to the jealousy that we are right that, <laughs> that we can be tempted to correct but uh there's definitely i think that in them they would definitely have the sense that this being the will of god to draw man closer they would probably be joyful in seeing the the mis- the mystery of of god because compared to angels i mean us humans our intellect is like if we were to be looking at an right. ant and then an ant is raised to the glory of a saint uh we would right. probably be like wow this is going to take a lot of humility in order to oh, accept absolutely. that <laughs> absolutely right and and that's that's kind of the thing is what i'm getting at is that god for whatever reason decided mm-hmm. that he was going to make a lowly creature and marry himself to yeah. the lowly creature. And that's where like the, the craving comes from. Mm-hmm. Maybe craving is a better word than jealousy. I think so. I anyway, think so. because the angels see God, but they're not brought into the marital, yeah. the marital that, type that, that relationship, that, that union us, yeah. that, that God speaks to us of in, in scripture. Going back to uh, the psalm, for it is you, my body yearns. Mm-hmm. Like just recognizing that it's not just my mind, it's not just my soul that yearns for God, but it's my body too. Mm-hmm. And I think, at least for me, it, it, t- it didn't take long for me to align my, my mind to God, to like align that this is the will of God. Like it is like, I shouldn't sin. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't like, I should do this. You know, um, that didn't, that, that took some effort and work, but there was a lot of support. There was a lot of this other stuff. And it has been recently that I've been saying, no, there's more, there's more. Like, where are my desires? Like, I want my body, my emotions to my affections to point towards God, not just like my mind and my will, but my whole being, you yeah. know, like craving God to be in union with me in my body and in my mind and in my soul. Yeah. 
I think so. My my uh, where my mind went when reading the psalm is kind of back a couple months ago. You know, when we were in sort of the depths of quarantine, mm. uh, where there wasn't even mass that we were able to go to. And, yep, uh, stuff like that. And so I was used to going to daily mass in Flint and receiving the Eucharist, which uh, for our audience who may not be uh, Catholic or may not be familiar with what Catholics believe about the Eucharist. We believe that it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, that it is Christ himself. So yeah. it is very, very significant to us in our uh, spirituality. Just just a funny quick thought. Sure. Have you ever thought about the the how we title the Eucharist? Like, I'm going to go receive the Eucharist. We don't say we're going to, I'm going to go receive the Jesus. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Which I, I think for me, like, I, it took me a while to start to like wrap my mind around that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's like a dissociation when I na- labeled that piece of bread as the Eucharist as compared to Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, um, or, or we call it communion, which right. is also a good, which title. I'm going to go receive communion. Now you're going to go receive Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, uh, he is our, our communion, like being, uh, Oh, sorry. Let's not get into theology of that. Uh, oh, actually oh, I think we could Colton's Greek corner of the day. Uh, a Eucharist, is a Greek word. I know this one. Yeah. What does it mean, Arthur? Yeah, exactly. It means Thanksgiving in Greek. So whenever uh, at the Last Supper it said he gave thanks and broke the bread, Mm -hmm. uh, the word was Eucharistia, or or I think that's that's the word used in the uh, original Greek. Yeah. And uh, so when he gave thanks, he gave Eucharist. So that's why we call it um, what we call it, because it has that, it is the thanksgiving of Christ to the Father. It is the offering of thanksgiving in a sense, but it, in a much deeper sense is mm-hmm. his body and blood. Because whatever God says, and Jesus being God, whatever he says about something is what it is. Right. Since God cannot lie, whatever Christ says as God about something, it is that thing. So, yeah. moving on. But uh, just to just to kind of round this out too, like in order to have a good understanding of the Eucharist, of Jesus, of that aspect of him, we also need to have a good understanding of the word. And, yeah. it, you know, like it's it's just a part of who he is, you know. So for me, who for a long time, um, I <laughs> went to mass just to receive Jesus mm-hmm. and not to hear the word. Mm-hmm. I yeah. went to mass just to do the, the obligation, but not to hear the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, something, something that's very interesting is that the priest prays or the deacon prays before the proclamation of the gospel. May this cleanse their souls and bring about uh, their salvation. It's something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing it. But, yeah. you know, there's, there's, we're receiving Jesus when we hear his word just as much as we receive him on our tongues. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, if you think of it in, in this sense, a married couple or like just actually just even between friends, any kind of relationship, like there can be physical contact of reception, but there can also be vocal. Like uh, for a married couple, like holding hands is a physical, is a physical con- uh, contact, mm-hmm. but listening to them as well, like letting their words kind of like yeah. penetrate the heart. Also, is another form of dude. Yeah. I feel that I feel like we can like dig wells with like oh. how, how well, like the 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 things that we're talking about. Because I was like thinking about well, both actions are extensions of the will, which is like a, an aspect of the soul and all this stuff. Anyway, uh, wow. which well, I, I really don't want to go into that. Once we go into that, though, but I mean, like, I mean, we just have to touch on it. No, no, I, like the, these tangents are good because it makes me realize like we have a lot to we could, we have so much we could possibly talk about. Good thing we've got a lot planned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, a couple of months ago, like during uh, the, the depths of the quarantine and stuff like that, I realized in myself that there was this deep longing, this ardent desire, this pining. Mm-hmm. I think that's what this uh, scripture, uh, this, this particular translation says. Um, my body pines for you. My soul thirsts for you. And uh, being without the Eucharist, not being able to go to Mass and receive Christ in that particular way, I felt that sense of, you know, that, that lacking sense of yeah. like, I can't receive God in this way. And I was used, I, w- I was used to it and realizing I'm like, and I took it for granted and, um, I don't know, but it was that, that feeling of longing wasn't just an internal thing, but sometimes I feel my emotions physically Yeah, and it, w- it was like, it was deep in my chest that, that sense of longing and a lot of times it like, I don't know, like whenever things quieted down and I went into prayer and then I realized the presence of that longing. Yeah. Ah, man, it like it hit hard. And I was I was so happy to be able to get back to mass. The first time I was back to mass, I believe, was Easter. Oh, wow. yeah, it was on Easter. I, I was able to play mass and I got to read the readings Easter morning. Yeah. Uh, which was great. Uh, I loved that. That was that was the day that was the mass that for me, I like really struggled, Mm -hmm. you know, because we had been kind of like dangled. uh, Like maybe you can go to mass on Easter. Right. You know? And so I got my hopes up and then we got the no. And I was like, Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, just super dramatic uh, internal problems, you know? (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, that was, that was like the big, the big craving day for me. Yeah, man. Uh, so that, yeah, that's what the Psalm uh, leads me to think. And also in more difficult times, like when dealing with hopelessness or a sense of, 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 of despair, going back on this Psalm uh, helps me a lot. It actually helped me um, particularly in my senior year in high school. I think I shared this as part of my witness in our first podcast. I think so. Yeah. But Keep on talking. This was, I think this, this Psalm was what impacted me the most. Like, um, for anyone who might uh, be familiar with like uh, any forms of depression, maybe even like seasonal affective disorder, I was struggling with it in a very poignant way around this time. And you often feel emotionally locked. Like you aren't able to, uh, sense a range of emotions that you otherwise were capable of. And whenever I read this Psalm, uh, it felt like it was saying what I couldn't express. Mm. Oh man. And yeah, that, that, I think that broke something loose in my heart whenever gotcha. I was reading that. Uh, but that, that's, I think that's, that's when this became my favorite song because it, it uttered what I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so let's, I guess let's take it section by section and point sure. out things that jump out to us. Yeah. Um, you want to go next? Do you have something in mind? Not particularly at this moment. Okay. Well, the the next part, the part two, mm-hmm. something that really strikes me is the rejoicing aspect of it. I will bless you as long as I live. With joyous lips, my mouth shall praise you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, in the shadow of your wings, I shout for joy. My soul clings fast to you. Your right hand upholds me. And the, these different things, um, 
Yeah, for me, it, it's, I guess the, the, the thing that's kind of still breaking loose is, is the freedom to joyfully respond to God. For whatever reason, because of my, my past, I have a lot easier of a time playing the part of the penitent, the, the sorrowful one. You know, not, not, re, not responding with joy, you know, but, but rather like the sorrow, this like expectation that I didn't do good enough, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and just kind of like putting that on God when, yeah, like, I guess like, and I have come a long way, but I, I've, I'm getting the sense once again, that the Lord wants like more breakthrough, you know, he wants more out of, out of my heart, you know, like not for his sake, but for my sake, you know, I mean, like, what does a father want for his children, but to be happy. Right. And what more than to be happy because of the security of their family, you know, that like that, that to me is, is pretty huge. You know, and I think that's what, what God is like kind of leading me towards is this because you're secure, because I'm holding you, because I love you, you have the freedom to rejoice. It doesn't matter what, what you like are comfortable doing, if you will. It doesn't matter what, what others think that you should be doing as, as your sense of devotion and piety or what you used to think. I want you just to be happy and I want you to be able to be comfortable and joyful in my presence, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's, that for me is, is been kind of like the, like where the Lord has been breaking through slowly and steadily. And like, obviously there are a lot of days that I really don't feel like rejoicing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like the sad part is when, like the days that I do, like I almost have to be alone in my home to do it mm-hmm. at the very least with, with just my wife, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever feel, I got, yeah, I got a question. Do you ever feel that, um, moments when you feel that hope? is lost that that something that you were looking forward to or hoping and whenever that fails do you ever feel that that temptation to let your heart be hard oh you know, to yeah. let your heart harden i i i thought that kind of became fairly relevant to me recently i i, w- I was kind of tempted to let my heart be hardened and i i recognized that like mentally whenever that moment came up and i knew that if i did I wouldn't be capable of loving. I wouldn't be capable of, you know, accepting love from other people because that's mm-hmm. what a hard heart does. It's it's incapable of experiencing or giving or being changed. But it's an act of preservation. Right. The best way to describe it is like we think we're numbing. Uh-huh. Like we we think we're like just like self-protecting, just numbing, just like okay, I just need to protect myself. I need to numb from the pain. Mm-hmm. Um but the the actual effect of what we're doing is we're like our hearts are becoming stone. Yeah. Like immovable, unliving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, that's, that's a temptation of hopelessness. And I think, I don't know, I, I try to look for remedies in the Psalms. Cause a lot of times you would get them like, uh, last time we talked, it was like, uh, about checking yourself. Um, there, there was, there was kind of a remedy for pride in that mm-hmm. is, is to, to check yourself. And, but I think in this Psalm we can, see sort of a remedy for hopelessness in the second part um david is we we know that david's i think he's in the desert i don't know if he's in exile or if he's off warring and he's missing being in the sanctuary uh right. with, with with god uh i i didn't look quite into the context of the psalm but anyway he's out in the desert and he's equating you know his his uh his desire for god he says my body yearns for you for my soul thirst in a land parched lifeless and without water so he's a he's drawing from his settings and stuff like that and so he's 
in this great lack of satiation, I guess is the word I want to use, like, yeah. or, or, or his soul isn't feeling quenched. Yep. Um, he still has hope. Like in the second part of it says, I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands calling on your name. My soul shall be sated as with choice food. With joy mm -hmm. lips, my mouth shall praise you. Um, so he's saying like this will happen. Like these things will happen. Um, he's recognizing the promise of God, the, the nature of God being the fulfillment of his desires, even though he doesn't quite feel it presently. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that that I don't necessarily want to call it stubborn hope, but I think that that's maybe an appropriate adjective. Being yeah. having stubborn hope, or steadfast, steadfast yeah. is probably better. <laughs> yeah, uh, I it's so difficult to maintain that sense of hope, and I personally I being faced with that uh, in in that feeling of hopelessness, being faced with hardening my heart or blessing. God, you know, praising God. That's, I think, very, very relevant. So for me, I think, just kind of connect this a little bit, and this is something the Lord has been correcting me on, is mm -hmm. that uh, part of my issue with hardening my heart, the thing that breaks my hope is other people's sins or my own sins, like mm -hmm. my, my offense in general, like my, not my offense, like my feeling the offense, you know, both of my sin, but of other people. Um, that breaks my hope, you know? And so my response is like, I want to judge. And like, once again, this is a tangent well thing that we could probably skip over. But um, I think I think you kind of hit it there is that if we are, if our eyesight is on the sin more than it is on what God is doing, mm -hmm. we are going to become numb. We are going to harden our hearts because we're living in that self-defense. We're living essentially with the understanding that the hell is alive and active, which it can be, you know, but if we are living and open to heaven, we are seeing God work. Mm -hmm. We are, we are seeing how, like, we're seeing how he loves, you know? And I think that's like the hardest thing, at least for me, like the hardest thing for me that, that breaks my hope is when one, I don't get what I want, but when I feel the offense of sin, it's really easy for me to want to numb myself. And to say, like, blame other people, blame society, blame this, blame that, um, and just judge and, and come up with, uh, like, scenarios of, like, well, they're doing this because blah, you know. But the reality is that God loves all, and we should be seeing how he's working even through our own personal sins and society's sins. Does that make sense? Yeah, I suppose so. And for, for my own edification, I guess, uh, I think... In choosing between a hard heart and a heart that's disposed to God and remaining in hope, I have to choose hope because, I mean, I was faced with that same choice in the past and I chose to, to harden my heart. And I realized that without God guiding that, that part of me, I was making terrible decisions, if that makes any, uh, any sense. I mean, like they made sense to me logically. They made sense uh, on paper. They looked great. Mm -hmm. But whenever I, maybe if I went after what looked good on paper, it never panned out. It never worked. And I'm like, what is the deal? I realized that um, God doesn't just guide your reason. He guides your heart, your mm -hmm. uh, emotional center, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, 
And there came a point when I realized that and I gave my heart over to God and then things changed. Like there was a strange uh, meshing, an agreement between my intellect and my heart Mm -hmm. that changed, uh, that changed me significantly and hope came back in. And that was so weird uh, to experience, but it was, it was very, it was needed in in that time. And I, I think hope is a very, very difficult thing to, to maintain because it can get derailed and it can, you can have hope in the wrong things. Oh, I certainly can. Yeah. 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 So I think part of the Christian life is to hold on to what actually you should be hoping and, um, the goodness of God, the steadfastness of God, that even in the moments where you were, you know, taken up with desires and longings and you're feeling like you're wandering through the desert, Mm. uh, Having hope, that that stubborn and steadfast hope is probably what will, it is not just probably, but is what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Psalms are like medicine sometimes. Oh, yes, they are. Yeah, I think just the last bit, and we can probably wrap this up. Um, Those who would hand over my life to the sword shall become prey to jackals. Just a quick shout out to, to Bishop Barron, you know. Uh, he just pop, popped out a video um, just like asking for correction and asking for us as a church to become more charitable, you know, rather than just like lashing out because somebody has a different opinion. I think f- like what this is reflecting on is that those who desire evil, they're, they will receive evil. Jackals being like a symbol of, of evil, of, of evil spirits. Of e- I mean, like even like, on a, a psychological thought, on evil thoughts, mm-hmm. which really disrupt. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I mean, like I've had horrible thoughts, like evil thoughts, and they are really, really painful and destructive. And like, it's re- like when, when I was going through a really rough time in my childhood and I desired evil things, <laughs> um, like, like even like to the point of hatred, you know, for people that I shouldn't hate. Mm-hmm which is anybody. Uh, but like, yeah, when I desired hatred, when I desired hatred for others, like bad things happen to others, I was victim to, to the jackals. I was victim to evil spirits. Um, and I, that, that opened me up to that. So just as uh, to bring it back to Bishop Barron, what he was saying is like, you know, we need to be a church of, of charity, of love, because that will, one, lead us into rejoicing and charity. I think like the pairing of, of rejoicing and charity are pretty close, you know, like if we're living in charity, if we're living in, in God's divine love, we're going to be rejoicing. Mm-hmm. But if we're living in fear of the sword, if our, if our enemy is God, or if our, like, if our enemy is God, then we're going to be buds with the jackals. And how do we become enemies of God is we desire the sword, you know? So, um, Yeah. Just a quick shout out to Bishop Barron. I know he doesn't listen. <laughs> shout out but, to our but, prolific um, listener, Bishop Barron. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but for, in all honesty, like check out his most recent video on uh, uh, his, his video on social media and how Catholics should just behave on social media. So we'll just wrap this up. <laughs> all right. So thanks for listening once again. Uh, we're glad to have you be with us. And um, Colton, do you have a challenge for them? So your challenge for this week is to 
either read Psalm 63 or another good psalm about longing for the presence of God is Psalm 42. It, it's a fantastic psalm. It has this line in this says in there it says, deep calls to deep. Oh, I yeah. love that. That's a good one, isn't it? That's a good one. So, yeah, read one of those two psalms and consider in your life where your longings are. What are you longing for? Yeah. And uh, where is your hope as well? Because your longings reveal where your hope is. Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, not just to recognize where your longings are and your hope is, but to allow God to correct where those should be. Because whenever we were hoping in the wrong things, often those things let us down and we lose hope. Right. And we're subject to hopelessness. Right. So uh, in, yeah. in, in recognizing where your hope lies and your longing lies, subject it to God and allow him to correct it. Right. And just one last little final note on allowing God to correct our thoughts. Um, St. Paul talks about the renewal of our minds and how that needs to be constant. So um, yeah, just let the depths of our heart all upon the depths of God, you know, that deep calls to deep. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We look forward to have you listening in next week, but until then, God bless.